Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. My name is Sheree Brock, and you know, I was super happy when Glenn asked me to come, and then um, I was like, yeah, I can do that, and then in the middle of my week, I got hit with like this nasty flu, you know, the kind that you're upright one minute, you're like, yeah, all of a sudden I feel like I'm getting sick, and then you're in bed for two days not knowing what time of day it is. That was my, that was my week. So then I was feeling a little bit of pressure. I'm like, oh, I got I to gotta work on the message. I got to have time. And so I woke up Saturday morning, and I proceeded to just cry with a broken heart. And I realized, oh, this is hard. I miss my church. My church isn't around anymore. And I just had to sit with that. And I was like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can work on a message. I don't know if I can do this. And I might cry today. But that's Glenn's anointing on this house, not mine. I'm just joking. <laughs> I always tease him. Um, so I sat with that. And as I was sitting there, no joke, as I'm like tears are streaming down my face and I'm texting my husband, I'm a hot mess. I get this text message from a woman in the vineyard that I prayed for in November. And she lives like four hours away. And she's like, man, you're heavy on my heart this morning, Cherie. And I just want you to know that um, God's with you in your transition. And I was like, you don't know, I'm trying to do a message right now, and I'm just crying. She's like, God knows. And so I was like, wow. And then later last night, as I was finishing up, I get another text from another woman in the vineyard, and she, she's like, come Holy Spirit, God has got you and Cascade Vineyard on my heart, and I'm praying for you guys. And I share that to say, not only does the Lord have me in community still, and it looks different, but he has you, Cascade Vineyard, on the hearts of people all over. And I just find that comforting, and I find it as a testimony of God's love and care. And I just wanted to share that this morning. So, um, and before I get into the message, there's one more thing I have to share. So I currently go to um, George Fox Seminary. It's called Portland Seminary. So I'm working on my MDiv. I know, woo, woo, but we love George Fox. I think we have a couple George Fox students in here today. Um, And I watched a video this week, and I just want to encourage you to go onto YouTube and watch this video. Um, It's about a man named, i got to look at my notes because I just blanked out, sorry. (laughs) Um, Seymour, that's what it was about, a man named James Seymour. He was born to a slave. He lost vision in one eye. It was 1906. When he went to seminary, he had to stand outside on the porch because he was an African-American. And they wouldn't let him inside the classroom. But he faithfully showed up and learned all he could learn about the Lord. And then when the Lord said, go to L.A., he said, yes, Lord, I'll go. And he went. And when he got there, they asked him to take over his church. He was there a week, and they said, no, no, thank you. You're fired. As he's there, he didn't give up in despair. He turned to prayer. And he spent all night praying, days of all-night prayer. And then he got so encouraged by the Spirit 
that he started spending all day in prayer. And then they started having prayer meetings in a little Bonnie Bray house. And they were gathering people. Do you guys know what story I'm talking about? Azusa Street Revival. You guys, this was the best documentary. It's a 30-minute YouTube clip. I highly recommend going on. I knew nothing of Azusa Street except that it profoundly changed the face of Pentecostalism in America and internationally. So what I found so profound about it, and this is the little nugget of encouragement that has nothing to do with my message, is that it was birds in prayer. He was so humble that, as some of you may not know, this revival lasted eight years. They gathered three times a day for eight years. There never was any advertisement. There was never any schedule. There was never any message. There was, it was completely freedom in the spirit. So what would happen is they would arrive. They would do what we did this morning. They'd worship and say, Holy Spirit, come. And then when somebody had a testimony of what God was doing, they would get up and testify. And when somebody said, I think God is stirring me to teach this, they would get up and teach. Numerous healings, numerous salvations. And if from the video, you can see the, the fingerprint across the world. 1906, born of a slave. It brought down racial division that our country had not experienced. I just think it's the cool story. So if you get a chance today, go on YouTube, watch a 30-minute um, documentary on the revival of Azusa Street. It'll blow your mind. Um, again, thank you for having me. So this morning, you guys, we are going to be in Matthew 4. You can turn there. I'm going to read this portion of scripture, and then we'll talk about it. Um, and it starts Matthew 4, 1, the temptation of Jesus. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him the temptation. This is a good portion of scripture, and I'm super excited to be able to share it with you. So let's get at it. There's some good stuff. Now, today I'm going to take a different turn than you might have heard, and I'm not negating all the important stuff about what those temptations represent. I just simply want you to see something, a different level into the story. So I hope you like it. <laughs> First of all, it's going to be a little interactive today, so I'm going to say wilderness. For me, when I think of wilderness, I think of those cool pine trees, the cool spruce, the smell that you get in the wilderness. I think campfires. What do you guys think? When I say wilderness, what are you thinking? Same thing. Little critters. Do you think of squirrels? I think of squirrels. I like squirrels. What else do you think of in the wilderness? The Sinai Peninsula. No. What? Being alone? Yeah. So if I say biblical wilderness, 
you kind of hear this sound, and I hear it in my head, dun, 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 the wilderness. And then if I say that, what do you think? What kind of words come, what images, what are you thinking of right now when I say biblical wilderness? Say it louder. Sand. Dryness. No food. Thirst. I think loneliness. At least I do. Mm-hmm. Wandering. Maybe lost. I don't think of it, I think of it as a hard place. Do you guys kind of think when I say biblical wilderness, like this is a hard place? Do any of you guys ever think it feels sometimes like a punishment? Kind of hold those thoughts about the wilderness. Um, in Matthew 4, this is right after Jesus was baptized, and we find him in the wilderness. And the first thing I want to call attention to is he's not lost. When I'm in the wilderness, I, I have a sense of being overwhelmed or lost. He was not lost. He was led by the Spirit. Hmm. Hmm. The second thing, it's not something that you're being punished for or that you've done wrong. I really want you to hear that. I think oftentimes when we feel like we're in this place of waiting, that it feels like we've done something wrong. He was led by the Holy Spirit for a purpose to be tempted or tested. Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of weird that Jesus needed to be tempted. But in the Greek, the meaning is tempted or tested. So I like this idea that Jesus was tested. Why, why do I like this idea? Well, Jesus in this passage is having a dialogue with the devil. I'm going to just say the devil, evil one, Satan, whatever. I just like to call him the devil, the devil. So today he's the devil. It's just easier for me. Um, he's having a dialogue with the devil. And, and by the way, I took some information today from Audrey West's commentary on Matthew 4. So if you want more information, go ahead and look that up. And I added some stuff from George Fox, but whatever. Um, he's having a dialogue, and it's, he's proving he's, he's having an assessment or a readiness test of his future ministry. And guys, I've never looked at this wilderness, 40-day fasting, as a readiness for Jesus' ministry. So that's kind of where we're going to go with the wilderness today. It's kind of a different way to look at the temptation. See, Jesus answers the devil, and he proves that he's ready for the mission that he was entrusted with. You see, Matthew 1 begins with Jesus' genealogy, right? So what does that mean? We're, we're saying... The Old Testament talked about the line of David. Jesus' genealogy says he comes through the right lines on both sides, maternal and paternal. It's a beautiful mystery, but he has the right genealogy. He has the right authority. Why is that? Jesus was born of man, Mary, right? Humanity. But who's Jesus' father? God. So he's got divinity, and he's all in one. So this is what gives him his authority. So we're going to hold those pieces together, but this is all what Matthew is talking about. And it, he has authority, and he's qualified for the mission. So why the testing? Have you guys ever asked that question about the wilderness? He's qualified. He has the authority. Why does Jesus need to be tested? Hmm. Have you ever been in the wilderness? Raise your hand if you've ever been in the wilderness. Okay. Raise your hand if you're in the wilderness. 
that's me. <laughs> um, I think there's important questions to ask when we're in the wilderness. Maybe like, are you qualified for your mission? Do you have authority? These are really important questions to be asking right now. In scripture, the wilderness clearly represents a place of preparation, a place of waiting for God's next move, a place of learning to trust God in God's mercy. 40 days, 40 nights in the desert without food, getting ready for what comes next. How many of you would describe your experiences as, I'm just getting ready for what comes next? It's not how the wilderness usually feels for me. But I see it so clearly in this passage. Um, 40 days is always significant. 40, the number 40 in the Bible. Um, and I want you to hold out. We'll talk about that in a little minute. But pause to imagine the Savior, part humanity, part divinity, waiting in a place of preparation. If Jesus needed preparation time for his ministry, might we need time in the wilderness as well? 40 days, 40 nights. What comes to mind in the Bible? I think of Noah. There was a song in Sunday school I used to sing. I'm not singing it. You're welcome. <laughs> but it's the time the waters deluged. They were springing up from the ground. There was water that covered the earth. But what did it produce? A covenant promise from the Lord never to destroy the earth again, right? 40 days and nights. Moses, he fasted. He was up in Mount Sinai inscribing the covenant law between God and his people, the Israelites. Forty days and nights, Elijah fasted in the desert, receiving a new commission from God. And 40 years, the Israelites wandered the wilderness in preparation for the arrival to the promised land. There's another 40 days coming up soon, the 40 days of Lent. And this is another time where Christians are practicing to follow Jesus in his ministry and following the ways of the cross. How might we make ourselves ready for our mission? To what mission is God calling Cascade Vineyard to? What is needed for your church family and for you, for you individually to be prepared? When we ask these questions, we stop making the wilderness a place of punishment and exile but a place of preparation and purpose. And that's what I really want you to get in your heart. So we're going to spend some time with the analogy of what the Israelites did, the Exodus, the 40 years in the wilderness that the Israelites spent for a couple of reasons. You see, the first time the devil asks Jesus in verse 3, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But his answer, Jesus' answer is, one does not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Does anybody know where that comes from? The Bible, the Old Testament. So this is a really great example of Jesus tying in the Old Testament to the New Testament. And not only is he going to make the statement of the Old Testament and New Testament, this is going to tie into his whole ministry throughout the book of Matthew. And even on how he teaches us how to pray. So it's pretty profound, this impact of going back to Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 8.3. You see, it says, He humbled you by letting you hunger, then by feeding you with manna, with which neither you nor your ancestors were acquainted, 
in order to make you understand that one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So this is where Jesus is quoting, Deuteronomy 8.3. What I find really, really fascinating is if we look at Deuteronomy 8.2, the verse right before that, the verse before the one that Jesus quotes. It says, remember the long way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness in order to humble you, testing, tempting you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. Isn't it good to know what's in our heart? You know, we can be led by emotions. We can be led by um, our intellect. We can be led by social relationships. But I think this time of preparation is being led by what's in our heart and seeding what God has in our heart. You see, Moses was reminding the, wilderness, the Israelites, what did God do in the wilderness? What did he do for you? It's an important way that Jesus is saying, here's the Old Testament. God gave the law to the Israelites. He took them through the wilderness. I'm entering the wilderness. This is a beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit. Do, do you see the, the kind of a big eye view fr from this passage? See, it says in next, next in verse 5, the devil takes him to the holy city and places him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Hmm. This is the first time we see the devil quoting scripture. I think that's really an interesting portion. And what is he quoting? Psalm 91, 11 through 12. He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Hmm. He's sneaky, and he's a liar, and he twisted it because he left out a little portion of that scripture when he gave it to Jesus. He left out, and in all of his ways, he will guard you. Now, what is so fascinating to me about omitting the scripture, bringing deception through the word of God, it means, A, we need to know our word, right? We need to know scripture, and we need to know that Jesus is a, or sorry, not Jesus, the devil's a liar. <laughs> we need to know that. And he's going to twist scripture, and he's going to try to confuse us. You see, 9111 was a blessing of God guarding and protecting us. And you see, God, the, the devil always wants to come against God's provision of manna, God's provision and protection. He's always want to come against that. You see, Jesus didn't just go, you're wrong, you're, you're twisting the scripture. He didn't even go there. I love his response. He just goes, bam, as it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Hmm, where did he get that from? Deuteronomy 6.16. And you guys, Deuteronomy 6 is one of the most fundamental ch chapters in the Bible. And you're going to say, why is that, Cherie? Because this is where the greatest commandment comes. And if I say the greatest commandment, it's to love your God with all your strength, soul, and mind. That's what this chapter is about. And Jesus pulls us, plucks it right on out and goes, do not put the Lord your God to the test. You see, Israel, they were naughty, right? We know they kind of did stupid stuff, like us all. I mean, we're in that camp. They'd already tempted the Lord in Exodus 17. And how did they do that? They doubted his love and care for them. You see, when Jesus was hit with, am I doubting 
the Father's love and care for me. He just came right back at the scripture and said, no, I do not doubt. I will not test the Lord my God because he loves me and cares for me. There's the identity. There's the purpose. That's his response in that. The devil's not done. He heads right back up to verse 8, you guys, and he says, but I will take you to a very high mountain and show you all the kingdoms of the world, all their splendor. And he said to them, I will give you all of these if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Again, he's quoting out of Deuteronomy 6, 613. I, I, I think sometimes when I've heard messages on this portion we talk about the kind of temptations that we struggle with and those are all really good I'm not negating that but I find it really interesting that Jesus speaks back through the word of God to answer the enemy in his time in the wilderness and I think gosh there's a lot for us to learn about wilderness and there's a lot to learn when Jesus quotes Deuteronomy 6 yeah amen you see temptation isn't that food or provision is wrong. Power is not wrong. Leadership is not wrong. So the temptations that Jesus went through, they're not inherently wrong, but they can be when they're used for the wrong ends, the wrong motives, and the wrong timing. Timing is an important piece to the wilderness. Can we hear ouch? Does that hurt anyone else? Like, when you say timing, I'm like, ah, I don't like to wait for anything. I mean, I don't, the slow work of God, people say that, and inside I just go, oh, I don't like the slow work. Because if I go slow enough, I'm going to feel the pain. Does that, I mean, does that, anybody else feel pain like that? I, I'm not a big fan of pain. And yet, what's produced is a deep knowing of God. And that ultimately is our goal. But what I find so profound is as Jesus is going through the temptations, what's released through his ministry, what's released in the supernatural from his response to the wilderness time for his preparation. Guys, he's part God. I, I just can't fathom his need for preparation time. But I think this dialogue with the devil was super important to his future ministry. And the waiting on the timing, it's not the temptation, it's the timing. And so we're going to look at that a little bit of what did that produce when he waited and, and surrendered to the Lord and was led by the Holy Spirit. So immediately the devil's first one is, let's make some bread, Jesus. You're hungry. You haven't ate for 40 days. Are you hungry? Let's have some bread. What Jesus does later in Matthew is so profound to me. Do you remember the story? Two loaves, two fish. Matthew 14, 17, pretty profound. So the miracle of doing increase of food, it comes in the story, but the timing was not then. The other thing that I found super profound when I was doing the research on this is Matthew 6, 11. Jesus teaches us to pray a certain way. And one of the things he asks, teaches us to pray is, Give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever tied that into Satan saying, you're hungry, make some bread, Jesus. 
I've never seen that in scripture. I was excited by it. Give me a little woo-woo if you were excited by that too. (laughs) Kind of exciting, huh? And he does it again throughout the temptations in his prayer. So he refuses to hurl himself down from the temple, right? He refuses. He says no. But what does he do? He voluntarily hangs on a Roman cross. Sacrifice. He didn't hang on the cross for fame or glory. He hung on the cross for you and me. That's authority. You see, he turns down the devil's offer of power and ruling the earthly kingdom to offer the kingdom of God to all of us, to all those who will follow him. See these exchanges? He really didn't lose anything. He gained and gave so much more. Preparation time in the wilderness. Aren't you glad he went to the wilderness now? I'm thankful for the cross. I'm thankful for the kingdom of God. It's everything to me. It's my life. You see, the wilderness wasn't a once-and-done temptation, but a preparation for his whole future ministry. You can see all through Matthew, he's interacting with the poor. He's interacting with the sick. He's bringing the kingdom of God to come. He's even interacting and testing the Pharisees, those in power, the Sadducees, the rulers. He's engaging with them. He's also engaging with the rich man, those that don't want to give up success to serve him. Those are the stories in Matthew, all found in his preparation time in the wilderness. I'm a short speaker today. You can say thank you. I'm just joking <laughs> I'm almost done. Um, But I felt like it was important to wait with the Spirit and, and, and invite him into our wilderness and to say, God, I surrender the struggle. I'm surrendering my time frame. I'm surrendering the need to get from here to there. I'm gonna let that go. And I'm gonna say, God, I'm right where you have me. Prepare me and all your goodness. <coughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cough on this. Um, if we go back, as I was preparing and praying, I love Cascade Vineyard. You guys, I've interacted with you guys for years. And, and I would almost describe the last season before, you know, God's doing something new. But there was a wilderness. Can you guys say amen? It felt like the wilderness. What is, he, what is he calling you to? Again, what is the mission God's preparing you for as a church and individually? I think, well, worship team, if you want to come back up. Um, one of the things that I loved a couple of weeks ago when I was here You guys are just so faithfully making space for the Holy Spirit. And when Zoe came up and said, guys, we're not going to miss Jesus. Do you know how precious that is to Jesus? That birthed the whole revival, guys. Azusa Street happened because there was a faithful people that said, "Mm -mm, I'm not moving. I'm waiting on the Lord. 
So as we go into worship, you guys have a ministry team. You guys can come up. One of the things that I want you to know is God has given you community and family here this morning. You don't have to do the wilderness alone. Guys, even though my church is no longer there, I had women reach out to me yesterday to say, hey, even if you're in the wilderness, you're not alone, Cherie. Even if you're in the wilderness, you can still preach a message. And I don't know where you guys are at this morning, personally. But God has love and care for you. He sees you, and your timing and your story will be perfect. Don't rush ahead. Don't look back. Let the peace of God meet you right where you're at in your story. And let him prepare you for his glory. Because I'm going to tell you, I'll sign up any day of the week for a wilderness. Because I want the ministry of Jesus. I want the sick healed. I want the lost found. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.